When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I hope one thing you're able to afford is travel, whether it's near or far. The second wave of summer bookings is upon us, and I'm going to give you an update on what you should be looking for, what you should expect. Also, this episode... Something that's not fun to talk about at all, the possibility of us having a recession. I want to tell you, though, this is not a grim kind of scenario I'm going to paint. I want to tell you what you need to know if the economy does slow. Wow, was that a Dr. Seuss book? (laughs) Just rhyming like that. So... There are some signs that the economy is slowing and some discretionary spending is being throttled back. So far, it is hit or miss reports, but I'm noticing that things like hotels for later this year, including later this summer, the prices are dropping. Airfare always drops for travel after the 15th of August, for trips after the 15th of August. And if you looked at the cost of travel for earlier in the summer, from Memorial Day holiday weekend through about now, gosh, shocking how expensive everything has been. But when you look a month from now and you look mid-August and later, and you look at what prices are, they're so much better. I'm seeing the trend, and it's your and my friend completely with looking at booking travel. I am completely a Dr. Seuss book today. You really are. that was the third time. (laughs) I love it. Wow. That was the third time I made a rhyme. Wow, listen to you. Dr. Clark. This is crazy. Anyway... (laughs) Not to drive you crazy with the rhyming, it's just popping out. The deals are not going to be true bargains, but much better than the brutal prices that we have been seeing. And I'm telling you, I'm looking, especially in the fall, I booked some incredibly cheap airfares recently. So there are opportunities for you to save and get back in the travel mode. If you're traveling by car, we obviously have lower gas prices than we've had uh, prior summer. And the hotel thing, on a typical night, what percent of hotel rooms in a metro area are empty? What would you guess, Krista? Out of, out of 100 hotel rooms, how many are empty on a typical night? Um, like 30 Man, that's good. Is that right? Yeah, 30 to 35, depending on the metro area. Mm. 
So hotels, when they get close to your time of arrival, if for whatever reason, wherever you're going is really packed, the rates go steadily up close to arrival. But what often happens most of the time, because typical night, you got roughly 30% of hotel rooms empty, as you get close to arrival, the prices go down. So you're going to find with some signs of the economy slowing, Federal Reserve making that happen, and the calendar being your friend as we move later in the year, starting in mid-August. Why mid-August? Inquiring minds want to know because it used to be fares did not go down, hotel rates didn't go down, cruise prices didn't go down until after Labor Day. Why now is it around the 15th of August? Because schools go back? In certain parts of the country, schools go back much earlier than they used to. Mm-hmm. And in the South and Southwest, a lot of schools go back the 1st of August uh, to the 10th of August. And so it changed the holiday and vacation patterns. And that's why this is the sweet spot now to be looking to book travel as you look further into the late summer period, end of the fall, it's going to be a bargain corridor, not the cheapest all. we've ever seen. What's that? <laughs> I was rhyming what you said. Oh. Into the fall, so. it's going to be a bargain corridor for us all. Oh, for us all. Okay. So uh, just so you know, and remember, the price is not necessarily the price. It always is great to re-shop. And that is nice. Okay, we'll go to questions now, Jake in Utah. Hi, Clark. I'm on board, pun intended, with only taking a carry-on suitcase while traveling. We go on the occasional cruise, and I'm curious how you handle the formal nights with only a carry-on. Appreciate all you do. So what do we do on formal night on a cruise? Since I don't take any formal wear, I go to the cafeteria on the ship or whatever other more informal facility on a ship does not require dress-up clothes. Uh, The last thing I ever want to do when I'm on vacation is have to play dress-up. So I just don't participate in the dress-up nights on a cruise ship. But I will tell you, I absolutely love watching the photo sessions on the ships on formal night because there are people who just love getting dressed up And it's fun to see the joy they have. Not my thing. Sam in New Jersey says, recently a listener reminded us to check the vehicle registration papers and emission stickers while renting a car. Occasionally we take a two-week family road trip to the West Coast. It's a fun way to connect and see new places on the way. Round trip, including local travel, often exceeds 7,000 miles. 7,000 miles in two weeks? <laughs> which, is, which is more than typical engine oil change intervals. Are Wait we- a minute. You realize that's 500 miles a day for 14 straight days. That's a lot of driving. It sure is. Okay. Are we supposed to check the maintenance papers and fluid levels of rental cars and change the oil ourselves? We don't want to get stranded in the middle of our trip on a desolate highway. Well, that's a great question, Sam. And for people that are doing mega miles on a rental car, the thing you should do is just check the levels for the oil. 
as long as you haven't let the oil run low, you're fine. And it would make perfect sense to check the oil levels and add a quart of oil if you need to and keep on going down the road. You know, the recommended intervals for oil changes doesn't mean that the engine's going to seize up because you put these 7,000 miles on. But if you did not check the oil levels and the vehicle ran lower out of oil, then you destroy an engine. Then you got a problem Mm -hmm. with the car rental agency. So just checking those levels regularly and adding oil as needed, that's your duty and responsibility. Marty in Washington says, someone recently asked you about being forced to pay for the seating assignments with British Airways, and he was traveling with his daughter. I was hoping that you would explain how the new regulation where airlines are no longer able to separate minors from their families works. And is it effective immediately or just for domestic flights? This is a game changer for all families who travel. Yeah, this is so overdue, Marty, and the airlines are each coming up with their own system that seems kind of haphazard to see that families are not separated, that children don't end up sitting next to a stranger. And every airline's been doing their own thing. I talked about how Delta is using artificial intelligence to figure out how many kids are likely to be on each flight, like a flight to Orlando when families are going to Disney World will have um, a lot more of the seat assignments cordoned off so that families can sit together. And so everybody's got their thing. Southwest changed how they do boarding so that they've eliminated the problem of kids being separated from their parents unless it's a connecting flight that they're coming in late to the connector and people have already boarded. That's the only time the flight attendants have to ask people to rearrange, move seats so that a parent and a child can be together. And I'm not aware of any procedure on the European airlines for this. And so uh, that's something I'll look into because it's never come up before you've asked right now. And I'm not aware of any of the European airlines having a procedure for this. Mm. I remember the uh, very colorful chairman of the board of Ryanair said uh, some choice words, <laughs> said that they can, they can pay if they want early boarding to get their kids with them on a plane. So uh, the airline industry is really interesting about the anti-family thing when it comes to trying to get more money in the airline's coffers. But I'll check to see if there's anything going on with the European airlines in terms of uh, being required to make accommodations for families flying with small children. Coming up ahead, as I promised, I want to talk about the crystal ball that's always a little cloudy. Where are we headed with the economy? And what's it going to mean to you, your household, your wallet? I'm going to give you my best shot at what the likelihood of a recession is for us and what it's likely to look like. That's coming up. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive 
as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So the Federal Reserve is not done raising interest rates, uh, but they're close. And there's a big lag from when the Federal Reserve does their thing of raising interest rates repeatedly and when the impact really hits the economy. But the Federal Reserve got a booster shot from those bank failures that happened a few months ago of some very large banks, what I call super regionals. Nobody seems to use that term anymore, but that's what I call them. And so lending has really tightened up at uh, pretty much across the banking sector after the small number of bank failures that happened earlier this year. And so people who are business owners, entrepreneurs, trying to expand a small or medium-sized business are finding that the banks are being much more difficult to deal with to borrow money or borrow money on favorable terms. The collateral required may be higher or it just may be too hard to get that loan. And so this is part of the process of trying to put the economy into a lower gear. Federal Reserve, along with central banks around the world, that overdid their job during COVID and pushed too much money into individual economies and collectively around the world, they're all in a reversal that odds are very, very strong that we're going to have a recession late this year or sometime first half of 24. And the recession, because our memory of our last serious recession was the Great Recession. And for many people who came of age leading into the time of the Great Recession, it's all you really know is the brutal, brutal harm that occurred to people from the banking scandals starting in 2007 that we really didn't get to healing till 2015. Eight years, massive unemployment, massive waves of foreclosures, repossessions. It was awful. And so for many people, that's what a recession means because that's the only one you've really experienced in your life. There was a technical recession very early in COVID when we had the tens of millions of people suddenly laid off. And then just as quickly, jobs became available again. So that one I skip as not even counting. But this recession, barring Putin flying nukes in the air or something like that, this recession is going to be extremely mild by historical measures. And recessions, a very large number of recessions, are very mild. What happens in a mild recession? 
unemployment ticks up a little bit. A lot of businesses find it harder to sell discretionary goods, things we don't have to have. Business owners' profits decline, not normally precipitously, but they do decline. And so a recession in capitalism is a normal part of a free market, and it usually makes an economy stronger in its next phase. Because what a recession does is it clears out excesses in an economy. What's our excess? Our excess has been inflation. And the moves that the Federal Reserve has made, plus supply chains restoring, has led to inflation declining. But we're not out of the woods yet with inflation. Inflation is way down from where it was. But we're not back to where a truly healthy economy would be, which is an inflation rate in the twos. Right now, we're running in the fours, approximately. And remember, we were not that long ago, last year, we were approaching 10% inflation. So that's going the right way. But it does mean to get where we need to be, which is the lower historical goal for inflation of around 2% plus or minus, there's going to be some hurt to some people, to some businesses, and some sectors of the economy, but nothing brutal. On the positive side of the ledger, you're going to see mortgage rates decline. Now, as I've said on many prior occasions, they're not going back to 2% because that was a manipulation of interest rates by the Federal Reserve. That's not happening again. So, Interest rates will be lower than they are now. Uh, Dare I say, we'll end up somewhere probably in the upper 4% range. And that will make house payments much more affordable and will be really a positive for the housing market. So this is a recession that, as you rank them, I mean, nobody wants a recession unless you're a pointy-headed economist. But of recessions, this one will be pretty benign and nothing terrible. Key reason, we're starting from an ultra, ultra, ultra low unemployment rate right now. And even if it bumps up some, it will still be a very favorable overall market for job holders and job seekers. What does all this mean to you? There are going to be some people who do lose jobs. So your job... This year, as we head towards a likely but not certain recession, is to reduce your debts and build up your savings. Anytime there are warning signs that the economy is going to head the wrong direction for your wallet, it means that you're getting an early signal that you need to reduce your overall spending, if possible, to have more control of your finances if something unexpected does happen in your work life or your personal life that you have reduced any debt, eliminate credit card debts if you can, and build up that cushion. Krista? Frank in Florida says, I listened to your podcast where you talked about new retirement account tax benefits. I'm enrolled in a Roth 401k. I contribute 8% and my employer matches 4%. 
I called Fidelity to ask how I can pay tax now on employer contributions, and they don't have an answer on that. Am I contacting the correct place or do I need to check with my employer? And we had a few other questions like about, you know, trying to implement some of these new right, things. Right, right. So what I failed to say when I talked about this last month is that it's up to an employer when they implement certain changes. And this is one of those. And the employer's administrator. So the administrators this is a new thing. It's got a shakeout period, and just because the law gives a green light for it doesn't mean it's available to you yet. And I went through a bunch of new tax changes and benefits of changes that Congress adopted and failed to say that when I talked about those, so that's on me. So the frustration you had is my fault because I didn't say it's going to be something that the administrator of the plan and your employer are going to have to say, yeah, we're going to permit people to do that. So every day we get questions about where to park money. And here is one of them from Brian in New York. I'm a 39 year old PhD student in a biomedical science. I started 10 years later than is typical. Yeah, but uh, a PhD in biomedical science, you're a brainiac. (laughs) (laughs) I've been very stingy with my money, and I am projected to have saved $50,000 once I graduate in a year. If I continue living this way, I will have saved roughly $110,000 after completing a postdoctoral fellowship in four to five years. The bad news is I have $110,000 of student loans, half of which should be forgiven by the NIH because of my research topic. My question is, what should I do with all this money I will have saved? It's just sitting in a savings account right now. So, Brian, the answer to that question is based on the longevity of need. If you're putting money in savings and and it's fantastic while you're a student, you're able to accrue savings instead of developing more and more debt. That's really impressive. Question is, what's the purpose of the money you're saving? After you finish your fellowship in five years, are you intending to buy a house somewhere? What is the purpose of the money? If the money's for rainy day, you know, unexpected expenses in your life, you're doing the right thing by having it in savings or what are known as a combination of savings and laddered CDs, where you put money, uh, one, two, three, four, five year CDs, you split into five equal piles. Um, On the other hand, if the money is intended for long-term, 10 years or longer from now, then you should look at investing the money in something simple like a total stock market index fund would be a very simple choice. It has, you do it with fidelity, you pay no costs in their zero version, Uh, do it with Vanguard and Schwab, costs almost nothing, it has very favorable tax treatment, you just ride with capitalism in that. So it really is a question of the use. And it could be not a monolith. It could be some of the money you want to have for rainy day, and that's just saved. Some of the money you want to have for long term, that's invested. And I don't know if you're working at all while you're in school. If you're getting any W-2 or 1099 income, you can fund a Roth IRA each year for up to $7,000, $6,000. You can fund the Roth IRA and put money into 
what I would recommend inside a Roth IRA, a targeted retirement fund for the year likely closest to when you expect to retire. So the answer is never one thing. It's all about your goals with the money, when you're going to use it, the time horizon establishes is money to be saved or is money to be invested? And then is it retirement funds, how you invest those versus how you invest money that you're just trying to grow for purposes other than retirement, but more than a decade out? Right. And Matthew in Texas says the FDA issued a recall on frozen strawberries because of a recent hepatitis A virus outbreak. And he links to an article. The FDA's website recommends these recalled products should be thrown away. Well, Clark, why should I throw them away? I paid for them. Why shouldn't I take the frozen strawberries back to Walmart and get a refund? I work hard for my money. That's exactly what you should do. But when you go back to Walmart for your refund, you got to make sure the person behind that counter understands why you're bringing them back, that they're recalled, and not to put them back on the shelf that could cause a terrible hepatitis infection for someone else. So it is your money, and it is the responsibility of the retailer that sold you a dangerously recalled food item to give you back your money and at the same time in a busy retailer you have to do your part that it not go back on the shelf and be a danger to your fellow american so take them back get your money back and these food recalls have affected a number of large and small retailers recently uh, i don't say grocers because it's been all different kinds of retailers sure that sell food items that have been recalled recently. Please don't ignore these. When you see them in the news somehow, or you see them on the internet, wherever you find out, social media, whatever, and you can, yeah, you can chuck them. Or as you said, you work hard for your money, go back and get your money back for them. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I want to remind you, that we offer one-on-one advice, free, as we've done since 1993. And it's available 30 hours each week, six hours each weekday. Our Team Clark Consumer Action Center is here to help you make good decisions with your wallet, with questions you have, problems you're trying to solve, solutions you're looking for. Available 10 in the morning Eastern till 4 in the afternoon Eastern time at 636-49-CLARK. And remember what we're here for, to give you ways to save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Have a great one.